Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast, and it is 2024. I'm Kim Skorupski here at Hopkins, looking at my friend and colleague, Dr. Rachel Levine. Hi, Rachel. Hey, Kim. Happy New Year. That's right. Folks, Dr. Rachel Levine, MD, MPH, is a professor of medicine in the Division of General Internal Medicine here at Johns Hopkins at Bayview Medical Center. She is our Associate Dean for Faculty Educational Development in our Office of Faculty Development in the Office of Faculty in the School of Medicine. She's a frequent flyer here on the Faculty Factory podcast. You may recall an episode with her where she talked about education competencies. So she is our education expert. And Rachel and I were talking last fall about a new series or a new season component of the Faculty Factory where we would, drumroll, do coaching. Yes, we've talked about coaching in the past. If you go to the Faculty Factory website or go to YouTube and type in Faculty Factory, you will see a number of buckets of topics of the podcast over the past five years. Yes, this is five years in production where episodes drop every Friday. So what our producer, Mr. Casey Callanan, has done is he puts those podcast episodes in the YouTube buckets and you will find a bucket called Mentoring and Coaching. Well, Rachel and I have been talking about how coaching has grown in significance over the past few years, academic medicine. We're all abuzz about coaching. Everyone recognizes the value of coaching and how back in the day in business and industry, folks in the C-suite would have a coach and how it's becoming more prominent. And a lot of us are getting trained as coaches. Before I you know, meander too far off, Rachel and I wrote a, Rachel led the paper on sponsorship because we all know in academic medicine, mentoring is super important, as is sponsoring and sponsorship. So look for um, Rachel's paper we did a few years back. And now coaching has become even more prominent in this space. And many other institutions, our peer institutions, have their own embedded coaching programs. For example, our colleagues and friends at Utah. UT Southwestern, I know I'm forgetting many, many institutions that have their own programs where you can get certified as a coach at that institution. But Rachel and I, I finished my coaching certification through the College of of Executive Coaching. Rachel, you're doing and just finishing your coaching certification through, who is it? Erickson International. That's right. Mm -hmm. Erickson International. And so we're all about coaching here at Hopkins. We have embedded coaching in our leadership programs. For example, Rachel leads our early career faculty leadership series. We have a number of women's leadership programs where we have embedded peer coaching and group coaching. We have developed a career development coaching camp that you've heard about on the Faculty Factory podcast, where we have um, done it for two years now, mid-career women. So we do coaching, coaching, coaching. We do lots of one-on-one coaching. Rachel, me, uh, Dr. Jenny Lee Summers, our Senior Associate Dean for Women, Lee Doherty Bittison here, our Chief Wellness Officer is finishing her certification. So it's we're really, really um, loving this opportunity to help, you know, thought partner with our faculty members to, to meet goals. So I've been yammering too much, too long, but Rachel, will you kick us off with 
you know, filling the blanks of whatever I just was uh, talking about. Um, and then talk more about coaching in general and how you've kind of experienced the coaching phenomenon and then maybe put the, put the tickler out there about what we're thinking about doing in the Faculty Factory podcast. Yeah. Okay, Kim, wonderful. So thank you for setting the stage. Uh, I think everyone's on board um, with coaching in terms of recognizing that it is in this space and it is kind of on fire. Um, what the way that I think about coaching and in particular faculty coaching is that I, I really recognize that my role as a coach is to be just like what you said. You said a thought partner with my coachee. And what I want to do is facilitate um, increased kind of awareness in my um, coachee because I trust and recognize that they have the answers within themselves and they have the resources to be successful. And it is my job to help them facilitate their thinking and problem solving around where they might be getting stuck, but also just around where they want to enhance their experience or performance or whatever it might be that they're bringing to that particular conversation. I really feel it is such a privilege to work with our faculty. I want them to feel like this coaching is all about them, um, that it's their space to really um, explore in a safe and confidential space, but really explore how they can be them their best selves. Yeah, I, I I love that, Rachel. And I think that speaks to the heart of what we do in faculty development writ large. But yeah. those of us who just have a heart for um, faculty members and it's such challenging times, I think it's just the time is so ripe to mm. really offer these services and broaden the reach and just kind of make the concepts understood, even if all of us don't have time to be certified as coaches or maybe Maybe our institutions don't have those kind of resources to invest in programs or invest in helping certain leaders get certified. We can all at least embrace a coaching mindset. So when we talk about coaching mindset, Rachel, like, you know, we I, we talk about just what you said. The client has the answers. I'm a thought partner. I've talked and joked before on the podcast for five years. I have to practice as a coach active listening. and. Mm -hmm. I have that sticky note here that says, wait, W-A-I-T, which stands for why am I talking? Me, Kim, because I, I, I talk too much and I'm off the charts extrovert and that's how I process as I talk a lot. Um, then another coaching mindset is to ask curious questions, which I've also pointed to you over the years, Rachel, about how you're all about asking curious questions. I try to suspend my judgment. Um, Another coaching mindset philosophy or, or tenet is to check my assumptions and check my coachee's assumptions and then listening for values and alignment. So those mindset things, we can all embrace those regardless of you know, certification, just being curious and suspending judgment, listening more carefully. So that's what I think I, I love about this whole thing is you said something else that's so important, Rachel. Faculty members have no time. That's all, all we hear, right? No time, no time, no time, no time. And when they do have time, very few or very, it's very rare for us to spend it on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that coaching time is, is uh, so many faculty members are just completely bowled over by the fact that this is time all about me. The focus is on me. 
totally on me. And it just, it's really refreshing and encouraging and inspiring to have that time to think deeply. Mm-hmm. And I also talk about you over the years, Rachel, on the podcast of how you schedule deep thinking. And I remember asking you one time, like, well, what do you do during that deep thinking time on your calendar? You're like, I think, comma, deeply. Yeah. So it's a great, it's a great process. So tell us more about, because um, I think I interrupted you here, more about whatever you want to talk about coaching as you're experiencing mm-hmm. it and then what you're, you know, what we're planning to do going forward on the podcast about this new series or a new season or new opportunities. Yeah. So I think on a personal level, you know, my journey with coaching is a continually um, evolving one. And I feel so enriched through the process of just learning, you know, how to ask questions, how to sit quietly, how to let the the coachee see something that maybe they hadn't seen or considered before just through the process of asking them questions. And I feel like Again, on a personal level, it's enriched my other work, many of those skills. I say that to bring it to the podcast and what we would love to do and what I think we share um, as a belief is that everyone can benefit from some coaching skills and mindset meaning bringing more of that curiosity to that work and the work that we do with others. And so the hope would be that this um, series of the podcast would be a place for us to showcase some coaching skills in a couple ways. So one would be to bring some common experiences of faculty and do coaching demonstrations so that listeners could see what it, how this difference differs from mentorship or advising. What is that real coaching piece? How does a coachee come to their own um, uh, new awareness or understanding or problem solve? Um, so one is sort of like contextual um, that shared experience around specific, you know, issues that faculty universally might experience and hear, hear questions that they maybe would ask themselves in that situation. How would they answer those curious questions? And then also um, a, perhaps a process um, piece to that so that listeners would begin to um, think about the questions they're asking their colleagues, their patients, their learners, and are there ways to make those questions more open, more curious, um, more exploratory um, in ways that can um, really um, increase deeper understanding, um, coming to um, problem solving, um, increased clarity, even things like creativity or collaboration, all of those things that could benefit. So I think people can hear about important issues through a coaching lens and then also begin to pick up, as we discuss maybe in debriefs, some of the techniques we're using that are coaching skills that anyone can adopt in any situation. So we're thinking that if someone wants to be coached or has a burning coaching related question, they'll be able to go to the facultyfactory.org and submit the question online through the contact us. Say, you know, I'd love to hear you and some coaches talk about this challenge or this goal or this opportunity or this situation, this scenario. And we could talk about that. 
yes. of coaches by amongst ourselves and how we would approach that um, scenario. We could also, if someone were willing to say, I'd love to be coached by you or Rachel, and we could offline record that, excerpt that, seg- make a segment of that, and then put it on the podcast. Some other coaches out there, it just occurred to me, some other coaches, our coaching colleagues could submit some scenarios or frequent, you know, um, um, experiences and we could share those and talk about those and we could invite other coaches to talk about, you know, their techniques and and their strategy. So we could just build a whole new podcast all about coaching. Uh, just like Joe Losey and I from Pitt were talking about last July at the AMC GFA Group on Faculty Affairs. He's our, our counterpart at um, University of Pittsburgh about doing mediation because he did a lot of mediation mm-hmm. and he and I are both trained mediators. I'm like, we could you know do some of that same thing there. But so we could really expand this faculty factory community to um, just do what you're saying. I'm a faculty member. I would love to get some help. I would love to understand, get some clarity around this, that, or the other. Like in the old-fashioned radio call-in days to I think it's a Frazier Frazier Green. But you wouldn't be calling in. Uh, But there's that. And there's also, again, sharing wisdom and encouraging, inspiring coaches calling in and as coaches kind of really enriching the conversation and kind of so there's lots of things we can do and anything else you're thinking about out there just go to facultyfactory.org or email us um rachel levine is r levine three at jhmi.edu you may not remember this but it's on the website and i'm case Skorupski, which you're never gonna be able to spell but it's on the website but just go to facultyfactory.org and, and email us and we and give us your ideas and we'll go forward but what Rachel and I wanted to do now was do a little demo of coaching. So again, some of you may be thinking, you know, I don't get this whole thing. I mean, I've been a mentor for 20 years, or I have a mentor, I have a sponsor, I have an advisor, I have a therapist. What is the big deal with this coaching? I don't get it. So we're going to do a little, a brief demo and it's purposely meant to be brief. We're not going to go through, you know, a, a typical like hour, you know, shy of an hour a session. But we'd love for you during this session, and I'll we'll set it up in a second here, but um, we'd love for you to be thinking, to be paying attention to the curious questions. Listen, 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 listen for curious questions that the coach, who will be Rachel, will be asking Kim, me. I am the coachy. I'm going to be. I'm an assistant professor. I have clinical and research roles, um, you know, trying to build a clinical research program. And I have contacted Rachel as a coach to give me a little bit of direction around a goal um, that I identified. And you're going to hear somewhat standard kind of a format, a way that this conversation might begin. And again, listen for the curious questions and then um, we'll wrap up when, when when it kind of feels natural to us, right? All right, and scene. <laughs> okay, before we start though, I just wanna give our listeners a tip if you're wondering, how do I know what a curious question is? What I um, remind myself always is a curious question is a question that only the person being asked the question knows the answer to. 
There's no judgment related to it. It's not a leading question. I am not invested in the question other than helping them think more deeply and explore and raise awareness. So that's what you're listening for. Those questions look for the the way that they are phrased and listen for a response um, from the coachee. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. And they're of course not yes, no. Oftentimes they're not yes, no answerable. And a lot of times our coachees will, the question can't necessarily be answered at that moment. Mm. A lot of times you'll get an uh, aha. Wow. What a good question. Let me think about that. And then the coachee might give an answer. Or I might, you know, I'm going to be the client here, the coachee. I might give an answer, but that curious question will really stick with me. And then the next month, I'll have a, a client come back to me and go, you know, and I was really thinking about that question. And so sometimes they're also meant to invoke a lot more, more deep thinking. So, all right, back to scene, snap the little wooden thingy the second time. Scene and begin. Oh. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Kim. It's really wonderful to be with you today. Um, I'm glad that you reached out. Um, I know we had agreed to meet today um, for a coaching session, um, and you had done some thinking ahead of time, I believe, with something that you want to focus on today. So if it feels like a good time now to get started, I want to ask you, like, what's on your mind today? Yeah, well, thanks, Rachel. Um, I really, I, I don't know, but I feel like I should start to get promoted or like get in this whole promotion process. I'm seeing some colleagues in the division. They're getting promoted. And I'm starting to wonder if if I should do it. But then part of me feels like maybe I'm not ready. I'm not sure if it's if, if I should be going up for promotion. My division director is kind of implied last summer during my annual review that I was ready, but he, you know, he wasn't really clear about that. And I just I can came away not being really sure if. I should go for it. So I just kind of kind of want to, you know, wrap my head around, you know, this whole promotion thing. Why should I do it? Okay. So you're feeling a little bit um, unsure about where you're going with promotion. Um, tell me a little bit about why that's important. Why are you coming today with that? I mean, I just kind of feel like, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? I mean, you know, you know, we we go through medical school and graduate school and fellowship, and we just they're always like the goal, the next thing that you have to do, and there's always a checklist of things that you have to, you know, stages we go through life. And I kind of feel like, isn't that the next thing I'm supposed to be doing? And you know, seeing everybody else doing it is putting a little bit of you know pressure on me that makes me feel like, you know, I I better keep up the pace. Um, so. That that's what I I kind of feel like. Um, should I start doing it? I don't know. I mean, I guess I know it's it's important to do. Everybody says it, but I know we don't. You know, I know I'm not going to get get kicked out if I don't. But I'm kind of wondering if it's going to all of a sudden I'll be somebody will say, "How come you're not promoted?" And then I'm going to be mm -hmm. in a bad you know bad spot. So, mm -hmm. what else feels important about it? Can you can you say more about it? Well, yeah, I mean, in, in addition to feeling like that, that's just what you do when you're in academia um, and everybody else is doing it, you know, I, 
sure, I, I figure that it'll, it'll get me the recognition I'm supposed to be nationally recognized and, you know, ideally internationally recognized. And obviously, I, I should say, obviously, I guess it would be good for my career. I mean, I, I feel like I've got a great career here. I'm really proud of what I'm building in my clinic and my research program. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm successful. I get really, you know, high, high ratings for my patients and doing all right. But I guess it's good for my career to get promoted. You know, maybe I'd have more opportunities for collaborating with other people if I had, if I were an associate professor, maybe more money. And I guess because it does feel like the thing to do, I guess it would validate me and my worthiness of being here. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that. Yeah. Yeah. So I noticed when you said validate my worthiness for being here, that was, there was a little pause after that list of, of, of reasons why it's important. Do you, what are you noticing when you when you pause there and you talk about validation or worthiness? It's it's tough. This is you know this is a tough gig, and I I know that I'm doing I'm working super hard, and I and I know that I'm doing my best, but then sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough, and I'm not doing as much as other people, and you know, I wonder if, if I'm going to make it. And I wonder if I'm going to, um, you know, sometimes I just doubt that I, am I doing enough? Am I doing all I can do? Am am I really worthy? I mean, should I just be content to be an assistant professor and I'm happy? And then I kind of feel some little bit of guilt that maybe I'm not um, Mm -hmm. performing to expectations of like what other people are doing. I don't know. Okay. And how would something like promotion um, inform that that thought or assumption? Yeah, I guess it would. It would just give that kind of, it would give me confidence that I'm in the club. You know, like they see me as like, all right, you're good enough to be here. I kind of feel like almost, you know, it's easy to be an assistant professor and I shouldn't say easy. It still had, I had to go through hurdles and everything. And, but I guess, you know, that again, validation, I can't help but think of that. I would be part of the club that I would be, I belong here. Mm -hmm. I'm, I've been, you know, anointed that, okay, you know, uh, we made, made a good call having you come here and you're not a loser. And, um, uh, yeah, you're one of us. That that's, I guess that's important to me to, feel like I belong here. Okay. So when we first started talking, you brought, um, you know, moving forward with promotion as your goal. Um, Given what you've just talked about, about what's important to you and how you view promotion, what, what would be um, helpful for you today to specifically focus on? One of my one of my colleagues went to that promotion seminar workshop, and I know I have to get my CV in the right order, and I think that's pretty good. I mean, when I came here, I was really diligent about, you know, reformatting it, and I did a pretty good job of keeping it updated regularly. But I know I have to do, you know, some little polishing up here and there, and they're like some little narrative sections that the beginning of each section, you know, I need to write a little narrative. I feel like that's pretty good. But I really want to get to the, I know the letter. I recently learned that 
um, I thought the division director writes the letter of promotion. And I just learned that I have to write that letter. And that's really kind of, um, I don't know, that that's, I guess I should start there, but I, I don't, I don't even know how to begin. Okay. So, so one um, thing that you've identified is your promotion letter. And that's a place where you're feeling like you're not sure where to start. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, those letters are pretty long and I just, again, I thought that that somebody else wrote it for me. Mm -hmm. And so I read my colleagues, you know, who just got promoted and it's, it's kind of overwhelming. I don't feel like I could write that stuff about me. I mean, I just feel like just read my CV. Why should I have to write a letter? I mean, everything's in the CV. Why do I have to toot my own horn? That just feels really gross to me. Okay. Okay. So given that you have some discomfort around that, where, where do you want to, where do you want to kind of end today? What do you want to sort of have made some progress on? Well, maybe some strategies about, you know, getting off the stick and starting to write that letter. I guess that's what, that would make me feel like I'm making progress if, if I had a plan for okay. writing the promotion letter. Okay. So if we spend some time today talking about a plan, some steps yeah. for writing a promotion letter, that, that would be a good use of our time. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't, I mean, I, obviously there's some samples of letters on the website and I saw that, but they don't really apply to me. And so it doesn't really make sense for me to, I mean, I read them and they're interesting, but I, I, and again, I don't, I'm really struggling with how to start it, you know, how to start just it. regurgitating the CV. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So would that be a good place to start? Yeah. Our conversation. Okay. All right. Um, so maybe we could just think for a moment and imagine that you have written that letter. No. Yeah. So give me a timeline. When would you have wanted to have written that letter? Oh my gosh. When would I have wanted to write that letter? Yeah. Uh, let's say the end of this month. Okay. The end of this month. So let's go to the end of this month and let's just imagine that you have written that letter. You're sitting down and you have just clicked the last enter. Mm. Okay. Just for let's pause for a moment and just tell me how do you feel? A relief. I'm relieved. Happy. happy. I'm, I'm elated. I am just exhaling. I'm just so exhausted because I know it's good. It was a lot of work. And okay. What else are you feeling? You said elated, um, a little bit exhausted. It was a lot of work. I'm proud. I'm proud of you. Proud. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And what do you think um, you want someone to take away from that letter? What are they seeing about you as they read that letter? What are they learning about you? They're learning about my contributions to my science. Okay. They're learning about my impact. Of Your impact. The difference I've made in my patients' lives. Yeah. And at the bench that they're learning that I am deeply invested and deeply passionate about what I do and and that 
I intend to carry this through and I, 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 I will persevere and then I will do my best to, you know, to continue and, and just make an impact on, on the health of on my patients and my population. Yeah. Yeah. I want them to see that. I want them to, you know, again, just go, yeah, okay. I get, I get it. I see the thread and, and how it all ties together and, and like where I'm going. I want them to know my story. I want them to know my story. Okay, great. That feels like, uh, that feels like, well, I'm noticing a change in your tone and your voice. What are you noticing? Well, me too. I mean, I like, I'm a storyteller, as you know, Rachel. And when I I came up on that, when that word story is like, yeah, that's what it is. It's like, what's my story? And a CV doesn't really tell a story. I mean, Uh like, blah, 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 blah. But telling the story of like trying to making sense of my experiences and the choices I've made and the papers I've written and my, Mm. and my, you know, my practice with my patients and my national professional societies, helping people to understand, you know, why I've made these choices and, and what my vision is, you know, for my practice and for my research and, and my growth and my contribution, I hope they come away with, you know, saying, yeah, all right, she's, she's doing good. <laughs> good work. <laughs> Wonderful. Maybe reflecting on what you framed as, as what you would like people to take away from your promotions letter and knowing what you told me you would feel when you finished doing it, what do you think might be a first step toward getting there? Getting there, like writing a letter or starting writing a letter, just the, or finishing one or the whole thing. What was the first step? Well, you had said starting was going to be tough for you. So yeah. what do you think? Yeah, because I, I've looked at, you know, those samples and it's overwhelming to me. But I, you know, I guess, well, you're making me think about this whole back on the story like what is my story Mm. and that's you know that's my challenge because if you know like like a lot of my colleagues you know we're all so different we're all so unique and none of us has a linear story or path and so figuring out my story that is important like I guess maybe the first step would be maybe not even writing but just talking about my story like my my journey where did I start? Where am I now? Where am I going? And trying to make meaning like old fashioned is like once upon a time, there was a like, what is my story? Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe starting by figuring out as if I were to write a, be writing a storybook, what would that story be? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's because I am creative. So I like that when I'm being constrained to write this fancy promotion letter, that's all just formal that feels just really mm. and phony yeah. but maybe if I I could start by thinking of a a narrative story that I would just tell myself and then work backwards and think of it like a storybook and then parlay that setup into the letter you know the key points of the letter of, of the story and then I could backfill it with the credentials and the academic components so that might be that actually feels more natural to me than dear, dear Dean, you know, da, 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 starting from the beginning. That just feels weird to me. It just feels so 
icky. Mm-hmm. I heard you say the word constrained, that the process felt constrained to you. What would the opposite mm-hmm. of that be? And how could you, how could you, how could you achieve that? Ooh, good listening, constrained. Well, that probably, that's a good catch, Rachel, because I don't like feeling controlled. You know, I'm all about freedom and because I am creative and I enjoy the creative process, I love brainstorming and thinking and building. And so when I feel like I'm hemmed in by a format that is just, you know, it just feels very formal and um, unnatural in my communication style. So that's the opposite of that is my being able just, just to be free and just to be really engage my reader into my story so that they're excited by it and not just like put my CV next to it and go blah, 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 blah. That it's boring, you know, medical jargon that's just dull and dry and brittle. And I want it to have depth and interest. And I want them to be like, ooh, interesting, interesting. And I want them to read more and want to read more and be excited like I am. I want that to convey I want to be able to communicate and convey that passion and excitement and enthusiasm. I don't want to be hemmed in by yeah formal, you know, scholarly writing. And what else do you think you could do in this process or through steps to help you with that so you don't feel constrained, so that you feel that you can be creative in your writing with the goal of, I think let's go back to the original goal, starting and hopefully finishing that promotion letter. I think you said starting it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm liking where this is taking me because this feels natural for me. I can almost imagine on a walk with my phone recording my telling my story mm-hmm. and then taking that recording, making the transcript into like a Word document and like just riffing on the story. Mm-hmm. having like no no template of a letter and not even you know not even setting it up like a letter in terms of like my research component my education component my program building component, my clinical work you know my training not even having like headers but just telling the story that flexibility and just putting it on a word document I think I think that would make me feel it'd be more natural to me mm-hmm. and then I think stepping away from it like I do when I write a grant or a paper like to get some distance and coming back and then pulling those components you know tightening up the story and then copying pasting the you know that foundation into a letter and then putting the flesh and bone uh, flesh on the bones I think that'll be easy and then maybe asking you or a friend of mine to read my story mm-hmm. someone who knows me and can say well wait a minute what about this or what about that you know somebody else reading the story to say if it makes sense maybe getting a bunch of different perspectives that could be the second thing is having people read my story and say eh, yes no maybe so that doesn't sound right or that's too too you're using too much you know flowery language or that's not yeah. you know selling it so I'd, i think maybe asking different people for their perspective okay. on how this, those who've been promoted recently, maybe someone on the committee, uh, maybe my mentor. So giving getting different advice on tightening it up after I've kind of had that free, free thought, free writing kind of experience. 
Okay. So what I'm hearing is that you have a a plan for getting yourself started that allows you to not feel constrained by what was sort of limiting you before, um, a sort of free um, right. And then you have another plan to share that with others once you've moved that into a more structured format. Yes. Are there other or what other resources or support do you think you might need to kind of keep yourself on track or accountable, if any? Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's good, too. I mean, that's like a typical obstacle of mine is that unless I put it in my calendar, I don't do it. Mm. And then I'll beat myself up for not doing so. I definitely have to put it in my calendar. But of course, as you know, sometimes my calendar is outside of my control. And we're short staffed. I have to do some cover, you know, covering with uh, do rounds. And it's just, it's been kind of crazy in the clinic. So that's the only thing that could maybe hang me up where I guess the accountability is I could, you know, ask my husband and my best friend and uh, colleague at work to check in with me, um, nudge me. You know, I'm always like hyper. Um, diligent. I never want to be that person who, you know, doesn't do what she says she's going to do. So yeah. they could help me be accountable. I mean, if I had the time, it's good. I'm just worried about, you know, the clinic, you know, so that's what I could do to help me be accountable. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the accountability, what might be a step that you could take and when would you want to take that step? So they kind of, I guess when we finish the call, because I'm so, you know, um, tied to my calendar, I could go into my calendar for next week and, and schedule that time to, I guess, first of all, literally schedule Kim, Kim story time. And I could put it like, tell my story and I could go for a walk and start telling my story. And I could do that for a few few times in my calendar, and then I could, in like a week, put it, you know, say translate story to text in a Word document, and then the following week I could schedule, you know, ask friends to read, you know, the story for you know for the threads of making sure it makes sense and that it's really reflecting my contributions. I could. Yeah, so so I think the next step is just when we hang up is I'm gonna go on my calendar and look for time and put it in the calendar. And then probably backup time too, knowing how mm. things are in the clinic lately, you know, making sure I have a backup plan that if it can't happen on Monday at one, um that'll could happen Thursday mornings are usually pretty good. So yeah, that's what I'll do. Okay. So I want to wrap up. I know we're close to time and I want to just ask you, um, we started um, with a goal of um, finishing this session with a plan to start your promotion letter. And I wonder um, what's shifted for you um, after this conversation in terms of how you feel moving into that work yeah well 
Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this time. I mean, I never have time to sit and think about these things or I do. And I just, I'm beating myself up. So I feel like I got this, you know, when, I don't know why I didn't think about it earlier before, I guess I'm, I mean, the whole idea of telling a story, making it a story. I never thought of that before because I'm just so accustomed to, you know, here at, in our school of medicine, you know, we just have to do certain things a certain way. And it's just so, again, I'm holding my hands up like a boundary. It's boundary set and it's very, you know, structured and you have to do things this way. And the CV has to form be formatted exactly that way with commas and colas and colons and quotation marks. And everything's so, you know, directive. And it's, there's not a lot of confidence intervals, not very wide there. So I'd never thought about I thought I had to sit down, write this letter from the beginning to the end. And it just, I didn't know how to go about it other than literally copying and pasting mm-hmm. from my CV. And it just it felt like saying, bah, you know, I started an undergraduate school and da, 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 and like marching through all the stuff I did. Just, it was exhausting to me. Mm-hmm. So what, what I've learned through this is that I feel confident that I'm going to do it my way. And my way is what is my story? And I'm just going to, back into it a little differently. And then once I feel confident about my story and why I chose to do certain things and how it all ties together, I think that's going to, I just feel like that's the way to do it. I feel like that's the resolution. And nobody's ever said anything like that to me before, but that feels natural to me. And I feel confident, I guess. Confident. Mm -hmm. Confident. Okay. That's a great place to end. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay. That's the end of our coaching session. Rachel, you can see why she's so good at what she does. So, so good. Did you hear curious questions? I certainly did. I'm not sure that we need to debrief too much on this because we're hopeful that you, just through listening to this, could understand just this process of how Rachel was thinking with me. She was not like maybe um, an advisor or a mentor back in the day, because now we know good mentors, you know, really, a really good mentor employs a coaching mindset. But maybe a mentor would have said, well, Kim, what you need to do is, I don't know why you're whining about this letter. I gave you the sample letter last week. Just do it. Just start it. Or what I did when I was in your stage. Or uh, maybe a mentor would say, um, well, let let me tell you what so-and-so did, or you need to go talk to so-and-so and be directive or telling me what to do. Rachel, as a coach, did not do that. She, as she said before, she didn't have the answer. She didn't know that Kim is creative and likes to tell stories. She pulled that out of me by asking really cool questions that made me think she re, I heard a lot of Rachel reminding me of and rephrasing, not rephrasing, but literally repeating the words I used back to me so I could hear my language back to me. And that really kind of stuck and hit hard when she would repeat words to me. What else, Rachel? What did you notice? You don't need to debrief too much. And I'm deep. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll just care. A- Uh, share a couple things that were going through my mind when we were talking, Kim. What I noticed at the beginning is, um, again, without, you know, sort of judgment, I did notice some 
assumptions around the process of promotion that seem to be holding you back, right? Oh, that that might have been, um, I've got to prove myself. Hmm. Uh, I have to fit into this box. Um, I have to meet other people's expectations. And what I wanted to try to do was shift that for you so that you might imagine what it would be like to be finished with the promotion letter and what you really wanted people to see in you. So, so shift from that maybe less positive way of thinking about it to a more positive. And so kind of taking you to the future, it's done. What does it feel like? What do you want people to see? What are you most proud of? And I think that's what I think shifted, that's where I saw a shift from in your, your kind of thinking and mindset. Well, um, you know, I can, I want to be creative. That's who I am. Um, I want to tell my story. And so, you know, helping you work through how you might use a process that feels authentic and genuine to you, um, help you to sort of, um, you know, in some ways you still have to fill out, you, you got to jump through the hoops, right? That's part yeah. of what we do in academic medicine, but it seemed like coming away from it, you're doing it a little bit more on your terms and with a comfort level that you have and with a sort of a shift from, um, I have to, I have to be seen the way they want to see me to, I'm going to show people my passion, my success, my vision, how I'm changing, you know, the field. And I could really sort of see that shift just by a very simple, like taking you to what's the opposite of that? What's a positive way of thinking about it? What could help you feel less constrained? Yeah. Right? yeah. What wonderful, wonderful. I hope you enjoyed listening to this and I hope it inspired you, encouraged you to think about being coached, learning about coaching. Like Rachel said, employing the coaching mindset in your daily life, just being more curious, listening a lot, trusting that you're student, your learners, your patients, your colleagues have the answers, checking for assumptions, listening for values, stimulating reflection and awareness and seeking clarity. That's all stuff that good coaches who who adhere to and are taught with the competencies, the ICF, the International Coaching Federation Core Competencies. Um, it's great stuff. I hope you appreciate it. And we Look forward to hearing from you and letting us know how you would like or like to how you'd like to see the series evolve and how you'd like to be a part of it or participate in it. And please spread the word at the faculty um, about the faculty factory. And I'm going to leave the, the final piece out to my friend and colleague, our, our genius education expert here, Dr. Rachel Levine. I'm not going to say anything else because I'm leaving it all up to you. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Kim. I, I guess the place that I would end is, um, again, more curiosity. So I, you know, I come to this space, this conversation with you, um, not knowing where it's going to go, not knowing what the answers are, knowing that I'm continuing to learn to be a better coach. And I'm grateful for, for the opportunity to kind of practice in this space and hopefully get better. And I'm really excited to hopefully hear from listeners. I know we have some really expert coaches out there in our community and we hope we can come together. I really look forward to learning from all of you out there. 
Welcome to year six of the Faculty Factory Podcast. I just want to let you know that as of January 1st, 2024, this podcast has had nearly 86,000 total downloads and YouTube views from listeners in 94 different countries. And our website has drawn 40,000 web visits from users in 122 different countries. This is an international platform and we want you to be a guest on our show. Send us a message over at facultyfactory.org slash contact us if you are interested or if you just have any feedback on our show at all or you can contact our host Dr. Kimberly Skorupski directly at kskorupski at jhmi.edu. Thank you so much for being a part of this program over the years. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.